All right. Where is Skateland? At the fairgrounds. All right. I'm not planning on going, but I thought, hey, man, Skateland. I didn't know there was a place called Skateland, so all right. No food, but you have Skateland. There you go. Yes. Well, you could be over at the lakes, and we're just about ready for insanity to set in because the summer will start. And uh, September will roll around, and we'll say, thank you, Jesus. All the weirdos have gone home. So... It's nice to be here with you again. Um, I was wondering as I was sitting there how long ago I actually came here for the first time. Now, I was thinking, Jenny, there, you're kind of a, a barometer for me because it was you guys, you and Will were just looking at each other. They'd sit back there and, you'd, oh, Will was all googly eyed over her. And, uh, no, yeah, eight, about eight years. Okay, so anyway. Not Will. John. Yeah. Will came later. Yeah. Sorry, there was not some guy named Will. I don't know who that was. Yeah. So but it's it's a it's a joy to be here. Um, there is always that danger when you've been somewhere too long. And that is, you know, either the expectations are high or it's like I'm skipping that Sunday. So um, but I'm glad to be here. So let's open with a word of prayer. And get going. Father, thank you for your word and how it can change our lives and continue to change our lives and continually change our lives until the day you take us home. Lord, help us to always remember these are your words, not man's words. They're holy words. They're divine words. May we learn from them, apply them to our lives, and then take action. So Lord, make today your day and may these, may the message bring you some honor and glory. And uh, Lord, it's all for your glory. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Nicknames. Nicknames are fun, aren't they? How many of you have a nickname? Would you raise your hand? All right. Now, some of you probably don't want to share your nicknames, but we'll see who would like to. So, okay, let's start over here. Who wants to share a nickname they have? Anybody want to share a nickname? Be brave. Pegatha. There you go. I like that one. That's a good one. I'll try to remember it, actually. All right. Anybody else? Come on, don't be so shy. It can't be that bad. Okay. Does your dad have a nickname for your mom? You're not going to tell me, are you? No. All right. I saw a hand back there. Mert. Mert, and so you were Mert forevermore. Many of us have nicknames. I've had a lot of them in my life, and I'm sure a lot of you use them in your home. Now, I don't know, but in my home with my wife, Louisa, if I actually call her Louisa, she immediately looks at me and it's, what's wrong? Um, 
and so and I've had a lot of nicknames. Of course, my name's Daniel. So when I was when I was little, of course, I wasn't my I wasn't Daniel. I was Danny, and that is actually what my wife calls me most of the time, on the good days. Um, my dad used to call me Dan Boy. The Waltons were very popular, and I think that's where that came from. Some days I liked it, some days I didn't. Um, I have friends who call me Danny Boy, and then they like to sing Irish songs to me, even though I have no Irish blood in me that I know of. I also had sisters. If you have sisters, they give you names. Most of them are not very nice. One of them that uh, my sister Janice, who you'll never meet, I don't think, but uh, her name, she, she would call me the Kimby Kid. Now, the Kimby Kid was a brand of diapers, and I was about 10 years old when she would do that. Now, what do you think happened when she did that? Well, I won't tell you. She also named me, she gave me another nickname, Nels Van Borgenhagen. And people said, what is that about? Who knows? Only in her mind could she make these things up. And so one day I came home from school with all of her nicknames, and I said, your new nickname is Archipelago, and I'll just call you Archie. Well, I knew that she hated to read, and there's no way she knew what an archipelago was. And I'm not, does anybody here know what it is? You want to raise your hand? All right. So she said, archipelago, that's not even a word. I said, yes, it is, and you're it. Archie, 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 Archie. You know, I mean, we went two days before she broke down. There was no Google. She had to go to the Encyclopedia Britannica and look it up. It's a group of small islands. What do you, I said, well, I knew you wouldn't know what it was. To this day, when I call her on the phone, and she's well over 60, I'll say, hey, Archie, what's up? And she generally calls me Nels. And those things are fun. They can be fun. When I got to Ecuador, the, the uh, society there as well, Daniel was a pretty common name, and so they, they all use nicknames. Mine was Juchu Uma, which is naked head, because they all have hair. <laughs> and I, I didn't even then. You know, I mean, I was 30 and it was gone, so there was no reason to, to change. But today we're going to learn. I want to talk to you today about one man who had a nickname. You know his name, but you didn't know it was a nickname. In fact, we don't probably even know what his real name was. And uh, that's interesting and cool, and I hope you remember it. But the lessons that we learn from his life, I hope that stays with you even more. Have you ever wanted to change anything? Change your home, maybe change your church. Husbands often want to change their wives. <laughs> John, we can talk later. I actually did the wedding for them, so I have the inside track. He has to tell me. It was in the contract. Otherwise, yet, no. Wives often want to change their husbands. You think when you marry them, they're perfect. They're not. You know that now, all of those you are married, you know, it, it just doesn't work that way. We come to a church and we say, well, it's pretty good, but this needs to be changed. We live in a town and say, well, this is okay, but that needs to be changed. All of us want to change something. But if you want to change your church or your home or your family or the world, I think you're going to need two things. You're going to need faith and you're going to need courage. So this morning, we're going to talk about two men in the history of the faith who had both faith and courage. The first one comes right out of Scripture. So I want to, if you'd like to read along with me, I'm going to read Numbers chapter 13, 
verses 26 to 33. And that will be where we learn. And I'm actually, I'm going to start in, in, in 25. That's the beginning of the chapter. Numbers chapter 13. That's why at the beginning of the Bible, most of you probably don't spend a lot of time reading in Numbers, but that's where it is. Um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Chapter 13, verses um, 25 to 33. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with them said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there, are, there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. So the Israelites have left Egypt after being there 400 years, and God took them about three months' journey down to Sinai, and they were there at Sinai, and God gave the Ten Commandments, and then they journeyed up uh, to the land. They were going to go directly into the land of Canaan and overtake it. And so Moses gets the great idea. It's one of the places where he didn't consult with God, but he sends in 12 spies. And the spies come back, and you just heard Two of the spies gave a good report. Joshua, son of Nun, who later became the leader, and Caleb, who spoke up here. And they said, it's, yeah, tough job, but we can do it. The other ten got the whole crowd wanting to go back to Egypt. Now, the end of that is, of course, God said, well, because you won't believe me, every one, every one of you who's 20 years older and older and saw all my miracles walking through the Red Sea, how I took you to, the, to Mount Sinai, brought you up to this place. You're all going to die in the desert. Not one of you is going to go in except Joshua and Caleb. And we're going to find out why here in just a minute. Caleb. Well, Caleb is an interesting guy. You can read him about, about him in, in, in Numbers, and, and we have here a little bit. But if we flip back, so in Numbers 13, and I'm not going to go back and read all the verses because we'd be here till way beyond Skateland, and we're not going to do that. So, so Caleb is chosen to represent the tribe of Judah. Now, the Judah are, 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 is an important tribe, of course. You know one else who comes from the tribe of Judah? Somebody here must know. David was from the tribe of Judah. Anyone else? He might be your savior named Jesus. He came from the tribe of Judah. That's where his parents were from. 
And so Caleb is chosen to represent the, the tribe of Judah. And in, in Numbers 13, they go in and he goes and goes through the land. He goes to the area of what is now Hebron, checks that out. They all come back. And in Numbers chapter, and we continue. And of course, here they get the bad report. You got 10 saying bad things. And Caleb stands up and says, hold on just a minute here. That's not true. One man against the minority. And then it continues on, and God says, well, because Caleb followed me, and he's different, then he's going to get to come back in, and God guarantees him 40 more years out in the desert. Now, I don't know who here, and I don't know everybody's age, but I'm, I know I'm 58. If God said to me tomorrow, Daniel, just want you to know, guaranteed you're going to live 40 more years. 98. Whoo, that's pretty good. My grandma only lived to 90, be 96, and it seemed like she lived forever. 98. Man, I can make some plans over the next 40 years. But see, the truth of the matter is, I don't know if I'm going to make it home today. And neither do you. But this guy is guaranteed 40 more years. All right. As we continue to read the story, here's what happens. Caleb is out in the desert 40 years. He comes back, and he's once again, now he's chosen to lead the conquest of his area. He's an old guy by now. I mean, he's over 80. Yep, you go ahead. And at the end of it, uh, he says, I'll take that mountain. He drives him out there. And then the first, he's even got a legacy. The first judge of Israel, if you go to the book of Judges, is a guy by the name of Othniel that most of you have never heard from, heard of, but that's his nephew, all right? So if you got any nephews, hold on. They might not look good now. They'll get better. They could end up being something great. Here's something interesting. Caleb. That means dog. That was most likely a nickname. I doubt. Now, come on. I don't know. Anybody here? Got any babies on the way? Do we have anybody who's expecting a baby now? We may have it in the future. I bet none of you will say, oh, we're going to have a baby. And if it's a boy, we're going to name him Puppy. Nobody would, well, excuse me, nobody in their right mind would do that. But his name was Dog. Now, Somebody said, well, I, I don't know. Maybe he was, was he meaner than a junkyard dog? We use that, that phrase. Well, he certainly was tougher. There was no backup in him. He was one of the 12 spies that Moses sent in. He was one of four adults to survive from Egypt to the Promised Land. One of four. And he stood up against the majority with the truth. He believed God's promises no matter what. And God's promises are the word of God. Now, in the key verse for him is, is Numbers 14, 24. And it says it this way in the NIV. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Wholeheartedly. With my whole heart. Sometimes we'll say to, my, we'll say to our, the person we love, I love you with my whole heart. All of me. Now, it's interesting, if we look at Caleb's life in Scripture, six different verses use that phrase of Caleb. And they're so good, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read them to you, I think. Let me get my pages apart here. 
Numbers 14, 24, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him to the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Numbers 32, 11 and 12, because they have not followed me wholeheartedly, not one of those who are 20 years old or more, when they came up out of Egypt, will see the land I promised an oath to Abraham, on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not one except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, son of Nun, for they followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Deuteronomy 1.36, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, he will see it, and I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on, because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Joshua 14.8, but my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. And then in Joshua 14.14, 14, so Hebron has belonged to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzites ever since, because he followed the Lord the God of Israel, wholeheartedly, 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 over and over again. I would really like this to be true of me. What are they going to put on your tombstone? What are they going to put on mine? My wife says I'm a bit of an Eeyore. You know who Eeyore is? Yeah. I am. I think about that stuff. I wonder if anybody will come to my funeral. I'll say that. And she said, what are we even talking about this for? Go get some coffee. But I wonder, what, what are they going to remember? I, I, I would hope that somebody would remember something like that about me. You love the guy. You know, the guy was kind of a nerd. But he loved the Lord with his whole heart, all of it. I hope so. That was Caleb. 40 years, hammering away, knew he was right, wouldn't quit. So will there ever be another Caleb? Maybe. Let's jump ahead 3,000 years after Moses. Boom. We jumped right over. Jesus has come. The church has been founded. We're now going to jump right into the Czech Republic of Prague. The year is 1369. Now, I could give you a history lesson this morning. I'm going to try to make this not boring. There was a man there by the name of John Huss. If you don't know his name, you should. John Huss was born. His father died when he was little. He was raised uh, by his mother in the Czech Republic, and his mother, when he got a little older and had finished some schooling, wanted him to go to the university, so she took off for Prague, you know, she lived just on the side of it, and took him to the Prague University, and so that he would be accepted, she took along a goose and a cake. So if any of you are sending your children off to Iowa State this fall, take a goose and a cake, I'm sure that'll cover it. The goose flew off while she was on her way, so she got there with the cake, got on her knees, and begged the, 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 the uh, president of the university, they called him a rector, that he would take the son. And he was impressed enough. He said, okay. So for the next four years, John worked at whatever job he could find and studied, and he graduated from the university. And then he 
uh, in a few short years, he was such a brilliant guy, he became the dean of the university, and then he was ordained a priest, because of course at that time there was one church, it was the Catholic Church, and now he was a priest. But John was a guy who was passionate about reading. So he read the scriptures, and he read anything he could read about the scriptures, and he came across some reading writings by a guy, a guy by the name of Wycliffe from England. And the more he read scriptures, he came to the conclusion, and his he and quote he said, "The sin that is going on in the established church today is so bad it pains my heart, and I have become convinced quote that the church is divorced from biblical." teaching. Now, as he came along and became more popular, he began to preach, but he preached in a chapel called Bethel in Prague. And he began to preach, and his preaching was so good that the queen came. And the queen liked it so much, she named him her, her, her private confessor, and, and the king would come, and it was amazing. You would have the king, the queen, shoe guys that shoe cobblers and people off the street everybody jammed in there to hear this guy preach the truths of scriptures and his conviction was and he would preach that a only jesus can forgive sins two salvation comes from jesus alone and three only faith in jesus is necessary for salvation now that wasn't popular at that time so the local the bishop of uh, prague told him stop preaching he kept preaching. Bishop of Prague got a hold of his books and he burned them and he kept preaching. A group of cardinals got together and excommunicated him and he kept preaching. And so the Pope got uh, called on him and excommunicated him and told him he was going to burn in hell forever and he kept preaching. Kind of sounds like Caleb, doesn't it? Everybody is against me, but I know I'm right, so I'm just going to continue on. Eventually, and this time, the church was a mess, the Catholic Church. They had two popes, one in France, one in Italy. They excommunicated each other. It was really, if you read it, it becomes almost like a soap opera, you know, but it was as Rome turns, not as the world turns. And at that time, they finally got Huss. They threw him into prison. Eventually, the, the pope is thrown into prison, so they shared prison cells next to each other. But they kept saying to him, you need to retract what you're saying. You need to say, no, that's not true. The church is the one that forgives sins. And he said, well, I'm, I won't do it. So on July 6, 1415, they took Huss out and tied him to a stake and uh, burned him. While they were burning him, he, sa he sang a song, Jesus, son of David, forgive them of their sins. After he had died in the flames, uh, they took the body and threw it in the river. But the people from his hometown dug the soil and the ashes and took them back and buried them. A phenomenal uh, revival broke out all across Czechoslovakia, which is called Bohemia at the time. And a hundred years later, over in the neighboring country of Germany, there's a little boy named Bert, a little boy that was born, and his name happened to be Martin Luther. And as Martin Luther began to study, somebody put in his hands the writings of John Huss. 
And Luther said, you know, we've all been Hussites without knowing it. And whether you know it or not, I don't care if you know who Martin Luther is, but you're sitting in these chairs today, you're listening to the scripture today because of those men and because they were willing to lay down their lives for the truth. The testimony and teaching of us continues even to today. So then I ask that question again, will there ever be another, um, will there ever be another Huss? Maybe. Maybe he's sitting here today. Maybe one of you will be so convicted of a truth that you'll stand up and you won't back down no matter what the entire world says, no matter what social media says, no matter what your friends put on Snapchat, or whatever's the latest thing, it won't matter. Caleb was a man of faith who served God wholeheartedly. The Bible says it, and I know it's true. And that's what gave him the courage to stand against the majority with the truth. John Huss, in a very like fashion, was also a man of great faith who served God wholeheartedly. And it was his faith that gave him the courage to stand up when the bishop said, stop preaching. He said, I'd rather die than stop preaching the truth. This is true. And so today, the question then, of course, comes about what, what about you and what about me? We have to apply it somehow. Um, are you a man or a woman of faith? What do you spend your time doing? I sing this song over and over again because I preach it to myself. What did you spend your time doing last week? Now I'll ask you a question. And I might have asked you before. I'm old, you'll have to forgive me. That's what we do. Um, how many of you believe everything that you read in the newspaper or heard on the news last week? Would you please raise your hand? Well, good. There are no idiots here. All right. How many of you believe that uh, the Bible is true? Would you raise your hand? All right, that's good. All right, now third question, which hurts, and it stings me. How many of you spent more time reading the Bible last week than you did listening to the news? All right, we got a few people. You just got to turn it off and turn it on. You turn the, turn the news off, turn the Bible on. There are times when I get so wound, most of you know, I have a business. Every day I go into work these days, and it, my question is just, what will I not be able to get today? What, what will it be? I have people who work for me. Which one will win the Knucklehead Award today? Sometimes it's Jack. You can tell him I said that. In fact, call him up this afternoon. Tell him he was mentioned in the sermon, would you? Please do. Yeah. Every day. And, and I get up, and, and if I'm smart, there are mornings I get up, I sit down, and I turn on the news. I don't know. And I'll say to myself later, why did I do that? Why did I do that? 
I got apps on my phone. I can listen to scripture. I can listen to sermons. I can listen to songs. I can listen to all kinds of good things. Garbage in, garbage out. That's the way it works. What are we doing? How are we going to become people of faith like Caleb? What was it about him? He had a nickname, Dog. He had to be at least as determined as a dog that he was going to follow God. What was it about John Huss? What was it that, that made him stand up and say, I don't care if they burn me at the stake because he knew what they did to heretics. I'm going to preach the truth. Well, you've got to believe in Huss's life anyway. It was scripture and reading and reading and reading. So please, put down your phones, pick up the Bible and other good books and read them. If you are a man or woman of faith, this will give you the courage to stand with the majority, against, against the majority with truth, like Caleb. There's an old saying, and, and it says, remember, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. Like John Huss, he wouldn't quit. So if you have that faith, God will give you the courage to change your world to change your town, to change your church, to change your home. But we must walk in faith, and we must serve God with our whole heart, all of it. So here's some lessons for life, and with this I'm, I'm going to close. Uh, truth is not measured in numbers. Truth is not measured in numbers. It never has been. I run into this with my nieces and nephews, grandnieces and nephews. I don't have any grandkids. I run into it with my kids. But everybody says. But everybody knows. But everybody believes. And? If you still are living under the delusion that you live in a Christian country, you don't. We live in a pagan country with pagan leaders that did not get on their knees and ask Jesus to lead them. They've reformed God in their own, own image. So what do we do? We stand with the truth. Others have done it, and so will we. This life is a short time. Eternity is long. Bring it on. But we're not backing down, and we're not shutting up. Second, at times a person must stand alone on the side of truth. There are times, I think one of the things that I'll, I'll share something very personal with you, I, I struggle with loneliness. I'm alone a lot. I get in the car to go preach, alone. We don't take Sophie to church for a number of reasons, and some of you might think I'm wrong. You, you're welcome to your opinion, and I might be wrong, I don't know. But I get in the car and I go, and I, and I say hi to everybody, and then I drive home alone. We don't go out and socialize in the evening because Sophie needs to go to bed. What are we going to do? Leave her there with the dog? Don't even have a dog anymore. Can't do that. And so our lives, and my wife, she just smiles and says, yep, it's a beautiful life, isn't it? But for me, oftentimes it's alone. It's like, man, living. How did everybody just wake up one day and fall off a load of pumpkins and get so stupid? 
Nobody's confused about their gender. Nobody, I mean, homosexual people don't reproduce, they recruit. And then one day they convince somebody, it's like, come on over here and drink the Kool-Aid. And I, I look around and sometimes in my own family and I get myself in trouble because I've got some family where people have changed their names and I will, hell will freeze over and you'll be wearing ice skates on the 4th of July before I will ever call them by any name except the one their parents gave them when they were born. Like it, lump it, or don't come around. And it's hard because you know what happens? Most of the people just jump right on the bandwagon and there you sit. I was recently in a conversation with a man, I, 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 really, I really like him. And the uh, question came up about same-sex marriage. And, uh, you know, I said, it's not biblical. Anybody that can read can know that. And uh, it's ridiculous. And, and he said, well, you know, if you, if you continue that way, you're, you're going to probably be alone. And I said, yeah, it'll be me and Jesus sitting in the corner. And I guess what I want to push you to, I want to push you to be a little bit radical, be a little bit unliked to be a little bit more like Caleb and John, where you and Jesus are sitting in the corner, even if everybody else thinks you're stupid. Just smile at him, say, yep, you drank the Kool-Aid, but I didn't. So sometimes we have to stand alone on the side of truth. Uh, number three, the question is not, what do the experts say? Or what do the people say? It's what does God say? And that's the end of the conversation. So may God help us all to serve him wholeheartedly today and every day. Let's pray. Father God, I, I pray today that you will help me to again stand up straight, stand with you, stand with the truth, love the truth, live the truth, preach the truth every day. Lord, at the same time, help us to be kind and tender-hearted and loving of those that have bought the lie of whatever it is that's out there today. It's like a flavor of the month. But Lord, help us to come back again and again to your word, your truth, your spirit, walk with you, and roll around in your love. Lord God, I want to thank you today for a man with a nickname of dog that 3,000 years ago or more said, yes, we can, God said it could be so. I thank you for men like John Huss who read your scripture and said, salvation comes by Christ alone, by faith alone, and I'll preach it and you can burn me alive. Lord, help us to be like those. Help us to be strong. Help us to stand up. Lord, help us to stand together. I thank you for this group of believers that dearly loves the truth and stands for it. Fill them with your spirit and move them forward each day. And we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. Go and serve the Lord.